Pro fans all over the world, we welcome you to the Pro Fan Arena where prolific sports fandom, a desire for wisdom in life and work, for the purpose of glorifying God through our gifts and talents, all rumble together. Thank you for joining us. Now introducing your starting lineup. Standing five feet nine from the University of Take Responsibility, playing the position of Chief Encourager, your host, the founder of Pro Fan League, the Pro Fan, Bradley Gibbs! Welcome into the Pro Fan League Arena. Let's get it, y'all. Happy Tuesday. My name is Brad Gibbs, the founder of Pro Fan League. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Jesus Christ is alive. He has conquered sin and death, and that makes this a great day. Now, lace up your Adidas T-Mac ones, and let's talk sports. The T-Mac one. Tracy McGrady wore these during his years with the Orlando Magic, and it is a good-looking shoe. I believe he wore them in an All-Star game. It might have been the T-Mac 3s, both great-looking shoes. But it brought me back to when he was playing for the Toronto Raptors. All-Star weekend uh, is in a few weekends in, in the NBA All-Star uh, weekend ceremonies, NBA season. And I was thinking about this, and it brought me back to that jersey that Vince Carter wore when he won his legendary slam dunk contest with the slam that he hung off the rim with his elbow and all sorts of craziness. So those jerseys, the black front with the purple back and the, the silver numbers, and wow, they were good. So then I'm looking up T-Mac's. Uh, the sneaker, because Tracy McGrady and Vince Carter played on the same team. And I was like, man, those were good-looking shoes. And then, this is this is how rabbit holes happen. Do you ever find yourself in a rabbit hole? You start a research project, you start reading one thing, then you're reading another, and then you find yourself in a place you didn't even expect to find yourself. Well, here I am, looking at T-Max, then i am got Toronto Raptor jerseys in front of me, and then I'm looking at the new Toronto Raptor jerseys. The 2023 Nike Authentic City Toronto Raptor jersey, all black with, with gold trim. And they took the legendary Raptor from back in my high school days, like the mid-2000s, and they outlined them in gold and put them on these jerseys. They look good. Over the years, the Toronto Raptors have had some good-looking apparel. We need to sign these people up. Help me out with some pro fan league gear. I'm in. Maybe one day. But man, the Toronto Raptors have it going on when it comes to looking good. Remember what Deion Sanders used to say. You look good, you play good. And when you play good, you get paid good. Man, these Raptors players, they at least look good. This year they don't play so good, but they look good. And uh, if you're in the NBA, you do get paid good. So, good for them. Welcome into the show. 
Thanks for being here with me today. So the theme of today's show is you got depleted failure. Now what? When I played my one year of football in eighth grade, I, I'm sorry, one year of football, seventh grade, I played midget football and I played scared the whole year. It's my first year strapping on a helmet and pads and it was the only year I strapped on a helmet and pads. Uh, By God's grace, that team was undefeated and won a championship. No thanks to me. I don't think I made one meaningful play that whole year. I might have had a one I might have had a special teams tackle. But I got to be on the team. We did win by a lot of points in a lot of games, so I would trot out there with the second and third team. Uh, I played cornerback and tight end. And when you uh, hear me say depleted, maybe something comes into your mind. Well, about halfway through the season, I was playing tight end on the right side of the offensive line. Uh, down, it was it was a run play. Uh, it was a counter to the left. So the running back fakes right, takes a jab step right, takes the handoff from the quarterback, and is running around left tackle. So I was supposed to seal off the back end of the play as the tight end, looking for the outside linebacker who might be coming around the corner. So they hike the play. I kind of chip the defensive end, looking for the outside linebacker. If he would be blitzing around the end, I did not see the cornerback coming. I got depleted. My dad still laughs about this play, I think. Every now and again, he'll bring it up. This was not just me getting hit. We're talking both feet off the ground, arms flailing in the air, yard sale. I got lit up. I didn't see the guy coming. Laying on my back. I wore number 89. Well, the 8 and the 9 hit the ground before anything else on my body. Decleated. Failure. By God's grace, I was able to pop up and get back in the huddle. But it's a hit that I've never forgot. It uh, was one of three times that season I got hit in a way that I haven't forgot. And uh, I tell you, playing football. Football is a violent game. You need to have a certain temperament to succeed. I did not have it. Could have I had it? Maybe. If I would have kept going. But I played scared that whole year. I was scared of failing. I was scared of getting yelled at by the coaches. And it showed. What I think is interesting about my time playing football, and I think about this, is towards the end of the season, the the final week of, of, of the season... Before the playoffs, it was always tradition 
uh, on the A-team of Effort of Midget Football to play like a flag football game, a celebratory flag football game. So pads, like shoulder pads, helmet, um, and shorts. And I did not play well that whole year in games or really, I mean, practice maybe. I did okay once. But in that final practice flag football game, I had an interception and two touchdowns. And the coaches were like, where have you been all year? Do you know the one difference in that night from the rest of the season? I knew that I wasn't going to get hit that night because we had flags on. I knew that I could play without fear. And the results were tremendous. Two touchdown catches, one pick. And it was because I wasn't playing with fear. Failure. Fear. Anger. You got depleted. Put on your back in front of 500 people. What now? Something unexpected in life hits you. What now? We're going to talk about that a little bit today. A example, the NFL playoffs gave us a really shining example of of a failure that turned into another failure that turned into another failure. I don't want to pile on Zay Flowers from the Baltimore Ravens too hard here. He's a young man. We all make mistakes. Just so happens his mistakes were captured in front of uh, tens of millions of people and put on display for the world to see. But we can learn a lesson from Zay Flowers. In a span of about seven minutes, from the 40-second mark at the end of the third quarter into the first opening minutes of the fourth quarter, the Baltimore Ravens are trying to climb back into this game in the AFC Championship this past Sunday. Zay Flowers catches a 50-plus-yard bomb from Lamar Jackson. Great play. Puts them down inside the 20-yard line. Momentum is building. They're down 10 points. He pops up and drops the ball on the defender that he just beat. Gets hit with a taunting penalty. 15 yards. Now they're backed up towards the 30. There is failure one. He makes a big play. Abolishes that big play with a silly penalty. Then, they get the first down. Zay Flowers catches the ball, headed towards the end zone, dives for the pylon, well, dives for the goal line. Kansas City defender makes a tremendous play, punches the ball out, touchback. No touchdown, right? Fumbles. No touchdown. This play is unfortunate for the Ravens and Zay Flowers, but... We do have to give credit to the defender making a big league 
defensive play. Fantastic. So this is where we can also take the lesson. Zay Flowers proceeds to go to the bench, and in his anger, he hits the bench and cuts his finger, which for a short time put him in question of being able to play in the rest of the game. So, in a seven-minute stretch, we have a taunting penalty after a big play, we have a fumble at the goal line, and then we have a fight, a one-sided fight with the bench, and the bench wins. Failure. How are we going to respond to failure? In sports, often when you're playing defense, uh, in a sport like soccer, in a sport like basketball, in a sport like hockey, say, uh, say the other team is outnumbered, Well, say the other team has you outnumbered and you're getting back on defense. Or say they're on a breakaway and you're the one guy back on D or one or the two guys back on D. Your responsibility, you might often hear it, stop the ball. Stop the puck. Try to hold up the progress of the other team so that you can recover. How fast can you stop the bleeding? I think dealing with failure requires a similar mentality. Stop the bleeding. How fast can we stop the ball? Whoever, you're one-on-one with somebody on a breakaway. You're trying to slow them down so the rest of your team can get back and help you. Preventing the other team scoring, mitigating the failure. I remember playing with a guy who was an excellent soccer player, excellent athlete. It wasn't that he didn't make mistakes on the field. His recovery from mistakes on the field was elite. He was brilliant at getting back in the play. So for us, what's it look like to get back in the play? What's it look like to not let our failures compound? One failure producing another failure producing another failure. Where we go from taunting to fumbling to striking the bench to an injury to hurting the team by maybe not being able to play anymore. Now Zay Flowers got back in there. And I respect that. And like I said, I don't want to pile on him. There's been some moments in athletic, in the heat of athletic competition in my own life that I'm not proud of. I could put myself right out here too. Once upon a time in high school, I was in a dodgeball tournament and uh, I got really into the game and ended up striking a door myself. No injury, just a terrible example of self-control. I have an example just like Zay Flowers. The only difference was, wasn't in front of millions of people, but the hard attitude was the same. Time to confess and repent. Time to ask the Lord to work in my heart. How do we respond 
once we've been depleted, when life doesn't go the way we think it should go? What's your process for getting back in the game? What's your process for stopping the ball so the rest of your team can catch up and lend you a hand? Who's on your team? How do we deal with failure? It's important because there will be failure in this life. We live in a fallen world. We battle the flesh, the sin nature every day. You're not going to go on an unending winning streak. So, we need to have a strategy of how to deal with failure. I would like to draw us once again to Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14. It says this, The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. You might say, if you listened to the podcast this past Friday, well, isn't that the same verse that you used for So You Tasted Success? Now what? Yes, and that's the amazing thing about the verse. It also works for failure. Fear God. Keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. So the same principle that will aid us in success will aid us in failure. A quick recognition that God is God and we are not. Consistent confession and repentance, crying out to the Lord for mercy and grace to handle the situation we find ourselves in. Seeking God's word for how to deal with our failure and keeping his commandments. Just like that will assist us in phenomenal ways inside success, the same principle will assist us in phenomenal ways as we consider failure. And I'm right there with you. Don't hear me saying this like, oh, this guy uh, thinks, thinks he's got it together. This is not the case. I have failed a lot in life. Once upon a time in college, I was taking a science course over the summer. And uh, my grade on my science exam it was a biology exam a biology exam uh i believe my grade on the first exam of the semester uh was in the 40s that that is not a shining example of academic prowess and I didn't handle that failure very well. I remember going to Weiss, buying a bag of potato chips and uh, some bacon and horseradish dip, going home and eating chips and dip and watching some baseball to, uh, (laughs) to cope with that failure. Did I take it to the Lord? Did I call a brother in Christ and ask them to pray for me? No. I went to food. 
not a grand way to handle my failure. And then, a couple weeks later, this is the unfortunate, well, there's a number of unfortunate elements of this story. I was offered free tickets a couple weeks later to a Yankees-Orioles game. Box seats, like six rows off the field at Yankee Stadium, the new Yankee Stadium. I had never been there. And because of that remarkably bad grade, I had to turn them down because it was on a class night. It wasn't on a test night, but it was on a class night. And with my grade sitting below 50%, I didn't think I could afford to miss a class. So I turned down free tickets at the new Yankee Stadium, Yankees Orioles box seats to go to science class to try to recover from a failure. Now, maybe that was stopping the ball, stopping the bleeding from a bad situation turning into a worse situation. I had to get back in the game. And I did it at the expense of something that I wanted to do. Had to stop the bleeding. Well, I wasn't going to stop the bleeding by going to a baseball game during a class night. I had to get in the books. There's a happy ending to that story. I passed that class with a B, which I took as a, as a victory. I was attempting to graduate college a semester early, so I needed that class over the summer to get the job done. And by God's grace, I was able to do it and proceed on to getting married. But... Failure can very easily become a compounding equation. So let's pray to the Lord that we can build a good process for handling failure, a healthy process for handling failure. And the healthiest process is quick repentance if we have sinned. And if we fail and we don't sin... Receiving encouragement from God's word, ideally, but from a friend and moving by it. You'll often hear about cornerbacks who get beat on a route. Short-term memory. Get back in the game. Don't let a busted play turn into another busted play. Maybe today there's some failure going on that's been hard for you to cope with. Well, friend, I encourage you. That it's time to start moving past it. It's time to start moving past it. If there's not a voice in your life right now telling you it's time to start moving past it because you've just been all up in your own shame and condemnation, it's time to move past it. Hear me. It's okay. There's more plays to make. If you have to confess and repent of something, do it. And then trust That God the Father will forgive sin. That Jesus Christ stands ready to intercede. There's hope. And once you've confessed and repented, that sin has been taken care of, if that's what the failure is. And like I said, if you failed at something and you didn't sin, then move by it, learn from it, and get back in the game. You got depleted. What now? Say Flowers. He's a fine young player. You're going to hear 
a lot more from him in his NFL career, God willing. He's a playmaker, man. He goes and makes plays. Another uh, really interesting part of the NFC Championship games this weekend, C.J. Gardner-Johnson was waving at the crowd as they went into the locker room on Sunday. He's a safety for the Detroit Lions. Uh, The Lions went into halftime with a significant lead. And he's waving at the crowd like the game was over. And then the 49ers came storming back. Humility. Let's, Let's play the whole 60 minutes. And congratulations also to the San Francisco 49ers. Congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Brock Purdy is a is a very vocal follower of Jesus Christ. You can find videos on YouTube. There's one called My Identity is in Jesus from Brock Purdy. Uh, he's a cool dude. Congratulations to him. Congratulations to Patrick Mahomes going to another Super Bowl. Yesterday on ESPN on First Take, they had a prompt question. Who do you take in one game, Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady? And the majority of the panel took Patrick Mahomes. Okay. I'm not I'm not doing this. Patrick Mahomes, I understand. 6 seasons, 6 AFC Championship games, Super Bowl appearances. Yes. He has had a tremendous start. It's too early. I get Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady will get clicks. It's too early. Six seasons. Patrick Mahomes is 28 years old right now. Tom Brady played 23 seasons in the NFL. He is the greatest of all time. I'm not saying Patrick Mahomes isn't putting a body of work early in his career together that gives him a shot to one day maybe be considered in the category of Tom Brady. But right now, we can't do that. It's too soon. Tom Brady went to 14 conference championship games. Right now, Patrick Mahomes is at six. He's still behind Steve Young, Joe Montana, and Roger Staubach, who all went to seven conference championship games. He hasn't even crested those guys as far as conference championships. He's got two Super Bowl rings. Come on. I've spent enough time on that. That's ridiculous. Don't disrespect Tom Brady like that. Super Bowl is set. Chiefs and the 49ers, two weeks. So, there's a week between right now and the Super Bowl. A week for all the all the celebrations and festivities and preparations. This weekend, you have the NHL All-Star Game and the Skills Competition. NHL Draft. The NHL All-Star Draft. That's Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Those are fun festivities. Going into the break, the Edmonton Oilers are currently sitting at a 16-game win streak, one shy of the all-time NHL win streak record, which is at 17, set by the Pittsburgh Penguins in the 1992-1993 season. The Oilers do not play again until February 6th. They play the Las Vegas Knights 
in Las Vegas. That is a hard game. If they can prevail, that puts them at 17, and they have a shot to break the record against the Mighty Ducks in Anaheim on February 9th. And that would set a new streak at 18 if they can go 2-0 coming out of the break. Quack, 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 quack. Can Adams Banks, Charlie Gat, and Charlie Conway? Can Adam Banks, Charlie Conway, and Gordon Bombay stop? the Edmonton Oilers winning streak Mighty Ducks what iconic films those are Emilio Estevez just seems right that the Ducks could stand in the way of NFL history this weekend's NHL All-Star festivities so they play a bunch of mini games in the NHL All-Star game uh they have teams they have like small teams who play round robin tournaments and then declare a champion it's it's creative it's a creative series of events and pretty entertaining to watch finally in pro fan league news february 3rd saturday february 3rd the pro fan league youtube channel launches with the first three for three video these are gonna be short concise videos three minutes one minute on a biblical application talking about jesus one minute on a sports observation one minute on a business career oriented observation something to think about so A biblical application, a sport thought, business, life, career thought. Three minutes. These are going to be posted on the off days of the show. So Saturday, Monday, and Wednesday at the Pro Fan League YouTube channel, you can find these three for three videos. This YouTube channel is also starting to set the table to give us the opportunity to get some Pro Fan League interviews going. So, the growth of Pro Fan League continues. We continue to try to put infrastructure into place behind the scenes to deliver quality content. I'm grateful that you have joined us today. I hope you'll check out the YouTube channel. Please subscribe. Check out Swinging a Torch on Thursday. We'll have the new business spotlight. If you haven't been to Swinging a Torch recently, please visit us at profanleague.com. Read the Swinging a Torch blog. It continues to grow at the Swinging a Torch blog. We have the business spotlights. Thread Therapy is up there for just a few more days, but the link will live on at the Swinging a Torch blog in perpetuity. As long as the blog is there, God willing. But I've also added, there's a question of the week there. I would be thrilled if people engaged with the question of the week. Uh, A couple weeks ago, I asked the question of the week. Could Michael Jordan at 60 get an NBA bucket right now? What do you think? Let me know somehow. Tweet at me. Hit me on the Facebook. Go to ProFanLeague.com. Leave a comment in the section. Do you think Michael Jordan could get a bucket at 60 right now in the NBA? 
you find things like that on the Swinging Torch blog. I post a video of the favorite play that I saw in the week of sports every week on the Swinging a Torch blog. So, it's a unique read, it's exciting. Go over, check it out. YouTube channel coming. Working on a business for February. Those are the updates. If you've never given the show a five-star review, I would be grateful if you gave us a five-star review, whether you listen on Apple, Spotify, or Podbean. By God's grace, and we'll finish with a celebration. We just reached, over the weekend, the 1,000th download of the Pro Fan League podcast. What does that mean? It means that a thousand times, somebody has pressed play and listened to this show long enough for it to register as a listen. So we hit 1,000 before February. I'm grateful. Praise be to God. I'm grateful for your kindness to listen. Please share the show. Tell your friends about it. Tell your kids about it. I'm cheering for you. Go Lancaster Thunder. When I say go Lancaster Thunder, who am I cheering for? I'm cheering for all of you out there making a difference across so many vocations. Impacting families. Impacting communities. Living your own life in ways where you're taking responsibility for your actions. Seeking growth. Having a posture of a learner. Keep up the great work. I'm cheering for you. We are not just fans. God willing, I'll talk to you Friday. Have a great day.